Okay, so this is Gerald St. Joseph. This is Coffee and Conversation, and today's topic is self-sabotage. I know I've been seeing a lot of talk around self-sabotage lately. I feel like that's part of the shift that we're going through. Lately, the energy has just been insane. Everybody I know is either frustrated or anxious or, you know, angry at something. There's all this emotion is just welling up and it's, it's being, it's forcing us to acknowledge it. And that is part of the shift I feel. Excuse me. Now I, I looked back at some of my stuff and it seems like we're always going through a shift. So we just need to know what's going to work for us. And whenever somebody else hears this or listens to this, at whatever time they get it is when they're supposed to get it. So although the energy around us is shifting for everybody, so we're seeing a bigger upsweep in people who are angry and not knowing how to deal with life in general, that seems to happen. There, there definitely seems to be a flux of that. And for some people, it'll happen later. Some people, it happens sooner, and they've gotten through that already because it, it hits. I don't know what is wrong with my micro, my webcam all of a sudden, but it it chooses to just shut off. So, doing screen sharing and stuff like that is going to be very difficult. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so far as self-sabotage is concerned, it's something we really need to look at. If we find that we keep repeating the same process or we keep attracting the same kind of people or we keep getting ourselves into the same type of a mess, we really need to do that introspection and figure out if it is us, like, are we doing something to create that? Are we doing something that controls that or, or attracts it in some way? We need to do our homework and really feel within to figure out what is it that we're doing? How do we stop doing that? What can we do to prevent it? Which other take? So as we move forward, we realize that a lot of times it's us. Do we keep doing the same things? But then the question is why? Once we keep doing the same thing, we recognize that It is us, but what do we do about it? Like if, if we just all the time keep thinking of the same thing over and over and over again, and we keep reacting the same way and doing the same thing, then we need to figure out what to do with that. Okay. Let's get into discussion. Once you figure out that you are self-sabotaging, you need to try to figure out like, why are you doing it? What is the purpose of that? And there usually is some kind of a purpose. Oftentimes we are afraid of achieving our goals. One reason for that is because once those goals are achieved, then you have nothing to shoot for. People are always need something that they're reaching for. Another thing is people feel that if they, they'll have like ideas about the way something is. Like if you're too successful, you're going to get attacked. People start watching you more. You have more responsibility, like different things like that. And we use those fears to hold us back. And that's a part of self-sabotage also. So do you guys have anything that, and you could do it in the chat if you want to, or you can speak that you feel contributes to self-sabotage. Um, I, I mean, I, I know that I 
I've been doing that about where I live. Mm -hmm. So, yes. <laughs> I like hate it so much that I just keep the vibe down. Mm -hmm. So, what what do you want to do? What would be your goal? It would be moving, or just shifting the energy where um, you are. Well, moving is not an option, unfortunately. So I have to do something to shift the energy. So I can only shift so much of it since there's mm -hmm. a lot here that's not mine, but uh, I can definitely help. <laughs> I mean, it's gotten a lot better since I started trying to work on what I could work on. Mm -hmm. so. Oh, good. Good. And you know, like sometimes even if Okay, so the way it works is as you lift yourself up, anyone connected to you will be lifted up also. So the more you work on yourself and the higher your energy gets, the more the people that are connected to you will lift up also. They may not recognize it as such, but that's what's happening. Then one of two things is gonna happen. Either they're gonna like feel better and, and be with you on the journey, even if they're not quite at the same place on the journey as you are, and not doing it the same way because they don't have to do it the same way. The second thing is people will fall off. So like as you really change your vibration and you become um, a more centered individual and you become happier and things change, then there will be certain people around you who don't like that who will be like, you've changed and I don't want to be around you anymore. You're not a doormat. How dare you? You know, and those kind of things. So you will have people fall off then those are two groups you have the people who fall off who want nothing to do with you because they don't understand who you're becoming and they don't like the idea that you are no longer broken or broken the same way and then you have those that are like they don't understand what's going on it kind of scares them they don't know where you're going with this who come back around because they are people who really do love you and really want you to see, want to see that you do your best and all that kind of thing. But they've gone through a period of time where they had to separate because they couldn't, your ascension was too quick and they couldn't deal with all those changes all at once. They had to step away. And then after a while, and they see that you're okay and that things are going well, then they, then they step back and they're like, oh, okay, we could do this. We could still be friends. So you have those two different sides of it. And you can really change a lot of what's around you. Um, as you're, like you usually focus on a smaller area at first, you cultivate like your aura and how you feel and you, you know, make it stronger and bigger and stronger and bigger. And then you have your space and you clear out your space, like your bedroom. This is my bedroom. No negativity comes in here. Then you do the bathroom. You bless all your spigots so that there's holy water coming out of there. Wash away the negativity. Then you go down into the, the front of the house, the door where everybody comes in, whether it's a side door or a front door. And you can bless that entryway so that again, it pulls off the negativity. So because it's your space, you can do this. Anyone who is not comfortable with leaving their negativity at the door and coming in in a loving, compassionate manner, they can stay outside. You yeah, know, and see, that's that's where the self-sabotage part was because I bring so much negativity here because I just so don't want to be here. <laughs> um, yeah, well, and, I hear you with that one. And yeah, I mean, there's, there's a whole lot that goes into that, like not having any private space, um, <laughs> you know, because I sleep in the living room <laughs> and, you know, the, the place is too small. For us and it's the best we have and then it's my parents house also and my mom and I don't have the same vibe don't want the same vibe don't <laughs> connect with the same things so why is take money out of it why is moving out of the out of the question what other would make money? it out of the realm of possibility other than money mm-hmm that's the obstacle, the only one. Okay, so that's something you can get past because there's a lot of different ways to find 
housing and to have a place. They don't have to be overly expensive. It can be can trade work for a place to live. You can, like somebody- I already work full time though. Yeah, but if you work full time, then you should be making enough to have a place where you'd have your own room. Not as a so, single parent with three kids. Well, single parent, three kids, how old are I've, I've done a lot of work trying to find a way to get us out of here. And um, I mean, there we were on the housing list for eight years, the wait list for housing, and we're just, we're not in a high priority area. And they have high priority areas that are really low income, Garnet Valley's. Yeah. So, you know, as long as, long as we weren't homeless, we're at mm -hmm. the bottom of the list. Um, and there were a couple people who said that maybe, I mean, it, I don't have to go into it all, but I'm just saying, yeah. like, I, I tried to find yeah, a lot. Yeah, and of that's not, I'm not, there's no the judgment. Way. I'm just throwing things out there. So things come to you, like when I teach about um, abundance, things come to you in a way that, that you understand and can accept them. So, for instance, like if you need a bed, you need a mattress for a bed, right? And you keep focusing on, I need $500 for this mattress. I need $500 for this mattress. You might get the $500, but then your car is going to break down because you don't need the $500. What you need is the mattress. So you focus on what you need instead of trying to figure out what all the steps are to get there and focusing on those steps. So if it's, you want your own space and you want a living condition that where you feel comfortable imagine what it is that you want picture that and put your energy there like set your energy as if it's there already and then you'll pull it to you like you might find an amazing deal when i moved to hawaii the first time i found a two-bedroom apartment for two hundred dollars a month what two hundred dollars a month in a high rent district for me and my baby and it was just i was me and a two-year-old that's all i had i didn't have a car of my own i was like and yet boom it's right there so you don't know how it's going to come you don't know what it's going to look like when i found my job my job was perfect because it was right up the street from the place where we were staying and then my boss was like well i was kind of i wanted a, a single parent basically because I'm a single parent and I was hoping we'd be able to help each other by picking up each other's kids and doing different things like that. Boom. Now I have a job. I have a built-in babysitter. He's got a built-in babysitter, you know, like, and all these things just started falling into place, but it was because I set my energy and I focused on what it is that I wanted and what we needed, what was necessary versus how do I get there? If I had stopped to think about how do I get there, I would never have moved to Hawaii. And there's no way I would have made it there for 10 years, especially as a single parent with a kid. And I went with no job or anything. I mean, I do my psychic work and stuff, but at that time, up until I went, that was not my primary source of income. So, you know, going and just telling spirit, this is what I need. This is what I need to support me. If you want me here, if I have something I'm supposed to be doing here, support me. What is it that I need? I need a place to live with my child. I want to keep her with me when I'm at work. And I need a, a vehicle. I need a roof over my head, food in my belly, and a way to get around. And boom, I got everything. And it all happened within like 48 hours because I was supposed to leave. And it was like that decision point, like, do I leave or do I just stay here? Because I went on vacation. I didn't come home. It was basically the way I moved. I had a suitcase, one, and $200 in my pocket. So it's about focusing on and knowing what it is that you're needing and then knowing what the obstacle is. Like, what are the obstacles? So the obstacle is I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to handle it by myself. I'm afraid I'm not going to be making enough money for it. Um, I'm afraid that everything's going up. I'm secure here. Even though I may not like it very much, it's still security because I have food over, food over my head. 
I have food in my belly, a roof over my head, you know, there's a bit of security there and some help, you know, I know my kids are safe here and in, in this neighborhood too. Like there's a lot yeah, of big one, the kids being safe. Yeah, that's a big thing. I mean, that's huge. So those are things to, to consider. Like we sabotage ourselves because in the back of our minds, there's something that's telling us where we are is better than where we could be. That it's, it's fine right here. And it's that complacency. And that's why they say that um, you have to be in more, it's gotta be more painful for you to stay where you are than it is and the risk you're taking to move. But the thing is, it doesn't have to be that way. We don't have to operate through pain we can operate through love and awareness and like really taking account of where's our energy at. So those are things that, that you have to really look at. So other things we do to self-sabotage is like um, at work, there are times when when we self-sabotage ourselves because maybe we really don't want to be there but we right you have to be comfortable with getting uncomfortable in order to break the cycle thank you chelsea that's an excellent quote you do have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable um because you have to move out of that zone and move into a space where move into a space where things are different. Anytime we're doing things that are positive for ourselves, we're growing. The other thing we have to deal with besides our own subconscious saying, maybe I shouldn't do this. This is too much for me. This might not work out is people out here, people saying it to us. Not all the voices in your head are yours. There are often times that the things that were said to us, especially as children, still resonate with us and we don't even realize it if you take take a week and just write things down that you think to yourself and look at it and you're like okay where did this come from is this really how i feel or is this something my mother said to me when i was younger is this something that a teacher yelled at me or told me did a teacher tell me i would never be successful, that I could never pass this test or I could never pass this course or that I should become a housewife because there's no way I can make it in the professional world. Like what were we told? What were we fed as kids? And sometimes it's not even about like specific things. Like our parents did not necessarily mean for that to be something that holds us back all the time. But it's like fears are compounded. So whatever fears you have, if you look at your parents oftentimes or whoever raised you or who was around when you were a child, they often have those fears. And then we take them on as the kids and we own them like they're ours. And they're not, they're not yours. They may not even have been your parents really. They might've been their parents or generations back. It doesn't mean that that's something you have to continue to feed into and something you have to continue to, to move forward with. And it can be a karmic cycle, yes. And we talk about you know healing the ancestors and going back and having, um, they talk about ancestral curses, ancestral karma and things like that. When oftentimes all it is, is that we are continuing to feed the negativity. We're continuing to feed the fear. So instead of looking at fear and being like, this is something I need to back away from, or it's telling me that there's danger there, as that's what fear should be doing. But for us, anxiety is fear misplaced. So it overwhelms us. We need to face it. And when you face it and you look at it, it's just like if you have a bully confronting your bully nine out of 10 times stops them in their tracks. They do not expect that and they don't want it. And you look to find out what is the core? What is the core of that? 
why am I reacting this way? Where did that come from? How can I change it? How can I change the way I think your thoughts create your reality? And not in such a way that, oh, I'm going to think of, you know, lollipops and unicorns, but in a way that your thoughts really shape your feelings and the way you act and react in the world. Your thoughts are who you are in the world. So in order to truly be you and to truly become authentic, they need to be your thoughts, not your parents' thoughts, not an old teacher's thoughts, not your nanny's thoughts, not what some guy you know, did to you when you were a teenager or anything like that. They need to be your thoughts. So the first step in defeating self-sabotage is to understand that not all the voices in your head are yours and then pick and choose which ones you're going to listen to and to shush up the ones that you don't need to listen to. So things like you're ugly, you're fat, you're a loser, this and that, like all that oftentimes comes from things that were said to us. And it could be something that was said one time. But the thing is, we need to look and see, all right, I grasped all the, all the negativity that was done. Let's look for the good things. What were some good pieces of advice that you got? I know one thing that stuck with me um, when I was a teenager, one of um, our neighbors was murdered. And at his funeral, he had three young kids and I would go over to the house every day. I would help his wife or his widow with the kids and I would do homework with them and bring them back and forth to school and do all that kind of thing. And I was 15 at the time. And at the funeral, uh, this man's brother came up to me and he said, you know, an act of kindness is an act of love. And that is a good way to be in the world. And that they really appreciated it. But an act of kindness is an act of love. And whenever I start feeling like I'm not doing enough or I start feeling bad about things, I just remember him just taking me by the, by the arm and saying, an act of kindness is an act of love. And it makes me feel better because there was somebody there who recognized what I was doing and that I was trying to support this family, even though it wasn't my family, they were just neighbors, but I tried to support this family and help them become more stable in the midst of all this chaos that was happening. So you are correct. A lot of self-sabotaging starts with how we were raised. So now I'm a different generation, I guess, than some of you. And we were raised a little bit differently. So the thing is, you do take things from your parents because the way your parents reacted to things or did things affects how you react to things and how you do things. Like, did they try to protect you from everything? Did they let you go and scrape your knee? And then, you know, they were there to put the bandaid on. Did they just like push you out of the house and you're on your own? How much stability did you have there? How much comfort did you have there? What was said to you? What was expected of you? So there's a perfectionism that comes from parents who really push their kids. Like you could never do enough. You could never possibly do enough. Um, children of narcissists feel the same way. Uh, children of people of OCD, children of um, parents who are afraid that their child is not going to be capable of dealing with life without them tend to push you to the point where you feel like you can't do anything right because they're constantly pushing for you to do more and do more and do more. So some people, as they become an adults, they get this feeling like I, I'll never be good enough. I'll never be able to do it. And just a simple, I don't deserve this. And that's a type of self-sabotage because if you feel like you don't deserve things, I don't deserve to be loved. I don't deserve to have this good job. I don't, you're going to manifest 
not having it. You're going to make that true. And part of that is simply energetic, but also a big part of that is as your subconscious is eating away at you like that and you get more anxious and more hyper-focused on what you're doing wrong or the potential of doing wrong, that you tend to screw things up. So it's like you're just tripping all over yourself and that is not helpful. So SG, do you have anything to say? Me? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't expecting you to call me that. Today. <laughs> no. no, SG is fine actually. Um, mm -hmm. It's just, I, I was gonna say, it's funny that you mentioned that about having to learn how to love yourself because that was one of the things that hit me really hard when I was taking the Reiki one class with Terry on Saturday mm -hmm. that like I am not going to be able to heal until I accept that I'm worthy of love because when people you know compliment me or whatever I always try to push them away because I feel like that comes with expectations and that I will inevitably not be able to live up to because they'll expect more and more the more I do you know mm -hmm. yeah I definitely yeah, that's a that's a good believe you deserve anything mm -hmm. is we get what we feel we deserve, not what we actually deserve, but what we think we deserve. So if we think that we deserve mud for breakfast, then that is ultimately what we strive for and what we do end up getting. If we feel like we deserve better things, and the thing is it's not all in the conscious mind, it's not all up here it's not we can't articulate all of it a lot of times it's it's more like it's down in the body it's it's in the emotional body that is broken or frail or it's our child selves who never got the support and the type of love unconditional love that we needed as children not all kids get that i mean i've seen i've gotten into fights with people about, you know, it's a bad kid. It's not a bad kid. Maybe your parenting just isn't that great. You know, maybe you need to talk to them differently. Maybe if they had your attention times when they're not having to misbehave, instead of only getting noticed if they misbehave, maybe they would be different. Not to say that there aren't some people who are born with certain difficulties that may become, you know, problematic as they get older, regardless of the way they're raised. But we all need to feel loved. And by feeling loved, like that is in utero, actually, that starts. So did your mom want you? Did she love you? How was she anxious all the time when she was pregnant with you? I mean, I can see in my kid, because when I was pregnant, I mean, me and his father were back and forth during my pregnancy. My pregnancy was a time of a lot of um, anxiety and a lot of uncertainty. And I could see that in him. So even that is something that if we look into ourselves and we look all the way back, like what was happening at that period of time? There's a method called rebirthing, which I did when I was in Hawaii. That was just amazing. And basically what they do is they take you back to your in utero and you look to see what was happening in the family in that time. Like, was there anything going on? Um, for myself, I had this cycle of a year. Uh, my relationships lasted a year. My jobs lasted a year. Like I was, for a year I was good at that year mark, I'm out, I'm gone. And I'm like, I don't understand why that keeps happening. Cause I kept like losing jobs and stuff. And so we went back and we looked and actually what happened was when I was a year old, my parents almost split up and it created this big issue with them because when my mom got pregnant with me, my father wanted to buy a house. And when they went to go put a down payment on a house, he found out that my mother had spent all the money that he didn't have any money to buy a house. So then he had to wait another year after I was born. And then a year later, then they got to move into a house. Um, it was almost on my birthday a year later. And it was like, 
you know, that kind of betrayal and everything like that, that was happening around me and feeling the uncertainty and being empathic to begin with, because I was very gifted when I was a kid. I believe all children are. I was very hyper aware of emotionally what was happening around me. So knowing that that's something that sank into me really deeply and that it came out as an adult that everything is in this year cycle. Um, I think I broke that, yay, uh, by doing the rebirthing therapy, but it's, it's about going back and figuring out, okay, where did this come from? And usually if you can face it and you can confront it, this is what this is. Okay. I don't need to own that. That that's not mine. I'm not going to, I'm not going to hold on to that anymore. And sometimes it's as simple as bringing it into the conscious, looking at it and dismissing it. Now, does that happen? Like if you do it just once? if it's been with you for 20, 30 years, you're probably going to have to dismiss it more than once. But knowing that it's there and recognizing it when it comes up is the key. So that is a big, uh, a big part of that. And there's all different kinds of therapies that we can do to help us recognize these, these cycles. I mean, you could do uh, talk therapy with a, a psychologist um, I have always counted all my friends to tell me, oh, you're doing that thing again. My boss even noticed. He was like, when I was in Hawaii, I had the same, I worked for the same company for 16 years. And I even worked for him here in, uh, on the mainland. And he would tell me, he's like, every two years you implode. I'm like, what? Oh, every two years you just throw your whole life in the chaos. You're like, all kinds of stuff is going on. You're crazy. You're bouncing off the walls and everything. And apparently I had done this cycle like three or four times working for him so much so that he saw it coming. He knew how to ride it and he pointed it out to me, which was really cool. I mean, I had a great relationship with my boss. I still do. So looking at things with an aerial view and trying to see, okay, what is repeating where, how do I, how far do I get before I back myself off? Like people say two steps forward, one step back. Where am I taking the step back and why? Where do I feel it in my body? Am I afraid of something? What am I afraid of? Am I afraid of being seen? Am I afraid of being successful? Maybe every time you get happy and you're really charged up about things, maybe a tragedy occurs. Now they're not necessarily interrelated, but in your emotional body, they are. In your emotional body, you can feel that they are related, even though they're probably not. So your happiness is not what made your grandmother die. You feeling really good about something is not what made somebody close to you sick or made you lose your job. Yeah, there's so many different factors that go into everything that making ourselves being so egocentric is part of the issue. So being egocentric also is a form of self-sabotage because if you're constantly feeling that the world is revolving around you and that everything that happens in the world, especially the negative things are because of you or against you, that's something that you need to let go of. That is a huge self-sabotage. One of the biggest issues that I see amongst clients is this fear of success. They're afraid of achieving their goals because yes, there's, then you need something else bigger that you have to shoot for. You're afraid that there's going to be more responsibility, like responsibility and expectation are big things. However, if you can achieve it, why not achieve it? If you can do more and be more and have more and allow yourself the space to be happy and the room to be able to, to focus on other things, things that you like instead of just work, why not do that? But that's part of the issue too, is some of us feel like if there's too much space around us, if we have too much free time, where's our mind going to go? 
What are we going to be thinking of? What am I going to do with that time? Am I going to misuse that time? Like what happens then? And different people have different reasons for feeling that way. I guess I got to turn this around so you can't see the label. <laughs> So does anybody have any questions or any comments? Okay. Do you guys want to do um, a little journey? See if we can pull one of these out and explore it and that way you can get rid of it. Okay, two yeses. I don't know about you two. Okay. All right, you can hear me okay? All right, let's see. My favorite. Get comfy. Take a deep breath. Hold it and release. When you release your breath, release it much more slowly than you're taking it in. Okay, take a deep breath and relax. Close your eyes if you can. Feel the sun on your skin. It's warm and bright and welcoming. You're in a meadow. There are trees to your back. And before you is an open meadow that's full of flowers and little bunnies and and butterflies, and maybe even a unicorn. Continue to breathe deeply as you step onto the path, leading you forward. You hear a brook in front of you. You see the stream. It is not very deep and it is not very wide, but it is very talkative. You hear the gurgling and the rushing of the water. As you walk towards it, your feet are bare. They touch the cool soil, the soft earth. The wind ruffles your hair. And as we step up to this beautiful little stream, we put in our feet and we notice a stone, a large rock, almost like a seat. We sit in it, it's warm from the sun, our feet in the water. We allow the rushing water just to carry our feet as they bob up and down. And we take a deep breath. And we feel ourselves Leaning back on the stone, we feel its strength and support. The sun is on our face. The warm stone to our back. The cool water tickling our toes and playing with our feet. 
and we relax. Our eyes are closed. And slowly we find ourselves in what feels like a movie theater. We are surrounded by friends and family. We hear the sound of the projector whirring and rhythmically clickety-clacking. We can feel the heat off the screen as the throw of the light splashes upon it. And slowly, we see figures form. We see a scene. We are there within it. We know most of the characters. And we see ourselves there. We are a child. And in this replay, We are speaking with our mother, or she is speaking to us. We feel her words and her actions hit us like a mallet. You see the interaction it's a close-up of our own face, our own reaction. And then we see our mother or female figure. We hear their words blast into the air. We take our camera and we pan out so that we are no longer in close-up, but we see the entire scene. And we rewind to see what brought that on. And we see our mother as she makes her way through the day. We see all that she needs to take care of. We watch her as she moves through her day. And then we go forward again. And as she moves forward through her day and we see ourselves in and out we come back to that moment in time, those words, those actions that hurt us so. And we can see everything that built up to that. So much had nothing to do with us. And we go past that moment in time. And we see, we see the rest of our mother's day. And as we pan out, We come to an understanding 
of where our mother was. We see her fragility. We feel her pain and her fear. And we fast forward until we find a moment when our connection with our mother was uniquely solid, comforting, playful, supportive. And even if it was just for a moment that we felt this connection, this love, this being loving, being loved, knowing that we are lovable, and we replace that moment of shock and hurt with compassion and understanding. And we hold on to the sensation of being lovable and loved. It is no longer fleeting, but carried within us. And as the shock and hurt of that altercation or situation fades away, we hold deep within us onto the feeling of being lovable and loved, onto the feeling of being supported, recognized, and we bring that feeling forward with us. Back into the movie theater as we watch as a third party. And we see a menagerie of moments of being held, appreciated, loved. Even if these moments had to be fabricated in our own minds, we hold on to those feelings. Our heart grows open and fluid. And we lean back in the movie theater and close our eyes to hold on to these moments, this feeling, these memories. And we can feel the hardness of the stone on our back, cradling us, hugging us in its warmth, the sun caressing our skin, the stream playing with our toes and our feet, the birds singing their song, the wind playing with our hair, And we can feel the embrace of Gaia, Mother Earth, Mother Mary, as she cradles us and holds us close and tells us that we are loved, wholly and unconditionally, 
Breathe it in. Breathe out your doubt. Breathe in the light and love that's being gifted to you. Breathe out the pain and the hardship. Fill yourself with the love and the light of the mother. And we open our eyes to see the beautiful blue sky. And the glorious green fields, the many colored flowers and birds, the trees and the water. This is perfection. Take a deep breath and let it out slowly. It's okay to relax. It's okay to be everything you were born to be. You are free to be powerful and intelligent, compassionate, loving. You are free to be you in all your glory. We get up from the rock. We feel our feet in the cool mud as we leave the stream and step back onto the well-worn path. Back to our physical body, back to this moment, back into the now. And when you're ready, Open your eyes, carrying with you the unconditional love of the Earth Mother, Queen of Heaven, the all that is. As I say it, so mote it be. Amen. Blessings. Okay, Ooh. not quite back in my body yet. Thank you so much for being with me tonight. I hope you enjoyed our journey. Again, this is Geraldine St. Joseph. This is Coffee and Conversation. I look forward to seeing you again. Mahalo.